Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Joshua. Uh, it contains some familiar verses in the uh, 24th chapter, beginning at verse 14. I invite you to listen once again for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Romans. The 8th chapter, beginning with the 18th verse and continuing through the 25th. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies, for in hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. And it occurs to me for the first time, uh, the irony of this text on this day as Paul is speaking to us about the groaning of the creation in labor, as it was on this very day. Could it be, yes, 14 years ago, that those pains were quite real in my family for the first time? How time flies. The sufferings of this present time 
This is the phrase the Apostle uses to describe the situation he is encountering as a follower of Christ, then 2,000 years past. The sufferings of this present time have not seemingly diminished, despite whatever progress we can claim to have made in any number of fields in the past two millennia. Though perhaps a bit different in their specific nature, the sufferings of this present time continue to plague this world and even the church. We're within the walls of her wonderful body. There still is no sanctuary to be found from such suffering. So we sit here in 2020, in the midst of a pretty rough patch in human history, eagerly longing for restoration, for the time when the Lord will finally and decisively act and set free the whole creation that has, up until now, been subjected to futility. A quick look around us will confirm the fact that the creation is in a state of decay, which is probably a better translation than futility, though in the sense that the creation cannot get out of this mess on its own, even should we develop a, a foolproof vaccine and figure a way to permanently halt the spread of this virus and all the others that will come along inevitably in its aftermath, as long as humans have dwelt outside the confines of Eden, we have been subjected to decay. Plagues, famine, drought, cancer, dementia, war, domestic violence, just plain getting old, slowing down, and falling apart. This is the human condition that's existed since the very moment that Adam and Eve consented to give sin a foothold in the realm that God had made and declared to be good. If nothing else, this year of 2020 has served as a reminder of how good we had it, even as recently as last year, when there were sporting events with people, when there were concerts, when there were movies and school and graduation ceremonies and visiting people in hospitals and nursing homes and funeral homes. And yes, even attending church services on a Sunday. But like a Norman Rockwell painting, those are suddenly vestiges of a bygone era as we have lurched ahead full steam into yet another of Dante's levels of perdition. Providentially, this week, uh, our birthday girl was wrapping up her year's academic work it, as a high school sophomore. Congratulations. The very last assignment that she had was to read and to write an essay on one of the most famous sermons ever preached by the Puritan Jonathan Edwards, who served Congregationalist churches in the Northeast colonies a generation or two after our own McKemmon. 
Sinners in the hands of an angry God. It's a journey into the depths of our sin, the judgment of God, and the unmerited forbearance, mercy, and grace that He has extended to us. It begins, There is nothing that keeps wicked men at any one moment out of hell but the mere pleasure of God. That was a stark reminder that even in the first half of the 18th century, the world and the people who inhabited it then were subject to futility, in the words of Paul. And despite the myth of social, societal, and technological progress, we today continue to be in a state of decay. And yet, and yet, Paul has begun this passage with an almighty, and yet, as bad as things seem, as bad as things are, for those who are in Christ, there is a silver, nay, a golden lining to all this. You won't see mention made of it on the evening news. You won't see it touted in a headline from the New York Times or the New York Daily News or the Washington Post, but it's going to get better. Not in the form of a, a great stock market rebound necessarily, not in the form of the, the next hydroxychloroquine magic bullets, not in the form of a carbon-neutral military-industrial Complex. No, it is going to get better on account of what God is going to do in fulfillment of his covenant promises for his people. And until that great getting up morning, we groan in the words of the apostle, you and me and all of creation join together in a cry as we bear the burdens of this life, which seem to have somehow gotten a bit heavier this year. In the days of the early church, Paul and his brothers and sisters in Christ were keenly aware of oppression and repression and persecution, and they doubtless had asked of themselves and of their God, our God, Lord, how much longer? How much more will we have to bear before you miraculously intervene and set everything to rights? And the answer for them, as it has been for us, one day. Stay patient. Keep hope alive and know that it will be, that it is worth whatever we have to go through until then. I must say, there are times that I find my patience stretched when I see injustices in this world, and I wonder why. If God knows we, his people, are suffering, groaning in travail, then why doesn't God just hurry up and put a stop to all of it? Sometimes, you know, God does just that. There are times... There are places when God has used human agents to curb human abuses. 
There are victories that are worthy of celebration. But quite often, we do not see such resolution take place before our eyes. Then we are forced to trust that in due time, God will fix it, or that in due time, God will fix us and everything else that's a bit off in creation. This will be, in an illustration provided by the theologian and biblical scholar Tom Wright, another exodus. Just as the Israelites were set free from their captivity to the Egyptians, so too will we, along with all of creation, be set free from all that holds us captive and renders all things futile. Our Old Testament reading this morning reminds us again of how the Israelites who had been crying out for release from their imprisonment to their God, finally were set free, not by any act of cleverness uh, or any act of might on their own part, mind you, but entirely on account of God acting on their behalf. And the same is to be the case for the ultimate redemption of all creation which is presently captive to corruption. And we who are in Christ, we have received a down payment on the fulfilling of that promise in the form of the gift of the Holy Spirit. The triune God who came to dwell with and amongst his people has seen fit to remain with us until that time when the decisive victory is won. It is in the form of an advocate, a comforter, a paraclete. The work of redemption begun in Jesus continues through this Holy Spirit. And because this Holy Spirit dwells within believers, we then are undergoing a salvation from futility, even in the present. Though our flesh may, though our flesh will, Though our flesh is falling apart, our spirit is being renewed and redeemed at the very same time. Though it's easier to judge the state of what we can see with our eyes, what we know to be true is that our inward beings are undergoing sanctification, a process that is destined to continue indefinitely as we are changed from glory into glory. We can only imagine what the final product is going to look like, how we will experience things when all is made new. But Paul assures us that it will indeed be worth the wait. He says the sufferings that we are experiencing in the here and now will then seem insignificant. As long as we inhabit the here and now, though, we are assured of imperfection, we are assured of trials. I was reading this week in an article about ministry in this coronavirus age. It reminded us who are responsible for leading congregations that what started out back in March or so, looking like it was going to be a sprint, it it increasingly appears as if It's turning into a marathon. And that, I think, 
is quite an apt metaphor for us. The, the new normal of post-pandemic life will leave people and institutions forever changed from what we knew and how we operated before. So those who are involved in church leadership are going to have to come to grips with adaptations, which will become permanent fixtures in the way that we are the church. Therefore, this author states that we are going to need to prepare our whole being, mind, body, and spirit for this long-term change, one that we are going to have to patiently endure indefinitely. This, I think, is the same sort of teaching that Paul is conveying to the Roman church. God's time, after all, is not our time. The designer and the creator of all things, you know, he's been at this for a while now. Our best guess today is that the cosmos that we can behold has been around for a little over 13 billion years. And humans have existed for what amounts to a cosmic blink of the eye. But take heart, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. The apostle wrote 20 centuries ago, in the great grand scheme of time and space, we still matter. In fact, we matter so much to the one who made us. All this stuff, that he has created over time, from that mix, he has singled us out to be in covenant relationship with. When Jesus, the Son of God, came, he showed us this, and he sealed for us a new covenant, another promise from the Almighty, that he was for us, and that he was with us, and he remains with us still. Therefore, Though our bodies remain subject to decay, our existence is not futile. It has been redeemed from that destiny by the blood of Christ. And the resurrected and glorified Savior has given us a glimpse of what the future holds for all who have been adopted as his co-heirs. We then have the assurance of a future in which things will not continue to decay, but rather will be restored, remade in a glorious perfection as they were designed to be from before the beginning of time. It is living as those with this hope that we can truly say, thanks be to God and amen.